D-S-N-Y. Welcome back. This is yeah. episode 93 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, XL Media, as always brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. Obviously, this week, Allison is not with me. This is Josh Benjamin filling in for her. What's up, everybody? Uh, I'm here with James again. Uh, it's a wonder we're not sick of each other at this point. We've been podcasting together for Seems like a while. Like this is like you, the second time in two weeks. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. You're right. Second time in two weeks. Yeah, and right off the bat, we're gonna start. I have a bone to pick with Allison. She's All not even of a here sudden, to defend herself. Here we go. Sweet not even here to defend herself. But listen, last week I had to defend myself because we thought that Brett Gardner wasn't going to come back. And all offseason, I've been saying, don't worry, Brett Gardner's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Whatever money is left over, that's going to go to Brett Gardner at the very end, right before spring training. And then last week, the Yankees signed Justin Wilson, and we start getting a little nervous. And I, it's on me because I, I got a little shaky in it too. I should have just stuck to my guns and said, I know Brett Gardner's coming back. I know Brett Gardner's coming back. We didn't think that there was going to be any money left over for Gardner. Turns out that even after signing him and Wilson, they still have like $5 million before they hit the luxury tax threshold. Jesus. But Brett Gardner is returned. And the week that I have to defend myself against Allison for claiming that it was my fault for getting her hopes up, she's on vacation. Quote unquote. Oh, oh, vacation. vacation. A likely story. Yeah. And Go, oh. sitting sitting and just watching Brett Gardner highlights on repeat. That's that's an activity. That's not vacation. No, that's not vacation. And listen, credit to her. She, I mean, she said that if the Yankees re-signed Brett Gardner, she was gonna jump into the snow in her bathing suit. She did that. So credit to her. She admitted that she was wrong and had to pay the punishment by jumping into snow in a bathing suit. But I mean I was right all off season. I was right. Brett Gardner's coming back. Brett Gardner's coming back. Brett Gardner's coming back. I like, cause my wife is also kind of a Brett Gardner stand. She, she loves DJ LeMayhew even more bought his Jersey at 7. AM when the deal was announced. Um, but she goes like, no, we got to get Gardy back. Got to get Gardy back. And I was saying, look, it's not, it's a matter of when, not if, but like mark my words, if the Yankees don't sign him, he's not going anywhere else. I think Bob Clappish tweeted out how, the general thinking was Brett Gardner would kind of pull a Bernie Williams. And if he didn't get a contract from the Yankees, he just wouldn't play anywhere, but he's back. He's the fourth outfielder. He's a great guy to have around. Uh, I feel bad for Tyler Wade and Clint Frazier by association, but such is life. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about that because I mean, Aaron Boone specifically said, and this was before Brett Gardner resigned. So mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt, but Clint Frazier is going to be the everyday left fielder. And he doubled down on that. Clint Frazier is going to be the everyday left fielder. We have yet to see, you know, if he gets off to a shaky start, if the bat isn't quite there, if his defense is more what it was in 2019 than 2020, then then maybe things can change and they can change pretty fast. But as it stands right now, this is Clint Frazier's job. Brett Gardner is the fourth outfielder. I don't really know what we're going to do with Mike Talkman now. I was thinking that myself. I like what happens to Mike Talkman? What happens to uh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, but yeah, Mike Talkman is 100% the odd man out right now. 
I'm not sure if he's young enough that he can be traded for anything significant. I don't think there's any team that's going to overpay for him. It might, it might become an instance where you trade Mike Talkman for a couple low level prospects with high upside. I don't know. Yeah. And when you look at the bench, I think a Talkman trade is probably the most likely outcome. Yeah. I don't know if, I, I don't know if he has any options left, but I don't think, the Yankees would send him down to triple A. Cause I think if you're not going to play him, then the best option is to trade him and get a reliever back. There are enough teams out there that could use some outfield depth that I think that a deal for a mid tier reliever could happen. I don't know who that mid tier reliever is, but there, there is 100% a market for Mike Talkman. even yeah, with and- MLB deadening the ball. I think there's, there's a place for him. Absolutely. And when you look at the bench, it's going to be, you know, Higashioka is going to be the backup catcher, no doubt. Uh, Brett Gardner is going to be the fourth outfielder because he can play center field. Uh, A great center field, great defender still, even in his advanced age. And not not just a still great defender. Like I I, uh, looked at the numbers the other day. He still averages over four pitches per plate appearance. Yeah. And he's still by OPS plus and weighted runs created plus he is still an above average league hitter. So it's not like this is, this is a defensive only replacement. It's not Tyler Wade. It was just, we are putting this guy in seventh inning or later without a doubt, or if somebody like desperately needs a day off, but even on those days, we're not expecting to get any offense out of him. This is like, if you put Brett Gardner in the lineup, your offense isn't really taking that much of a hit. And I mean, looking at the bench, it's Higashioka, it's Gardner, it's Tyler Wade is definitely going to be on there because of his versatility. And then you have to kind of figure out who's going to get that fourth spot if they go with the four man bench. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be Talkman because you have it's more, I think it's more likely to be Yeah, Tyler Ray can play left field in an absolute emergency. I think I think in that case it's more likely to be Tyro Estrada if anybody, right? Yeah, I mean I don't I don't love Tyro Estrada. I mean I I personally love him. I think he's awesome, yeah. but I don't love him for the bench this year because he doesn't really like he doesn't bring enough on offense to overcome his defensive versatility like yeah. what he can play the infield and maybe a little bit of corner outfield but we already have tyler wade who can do that right and tyler yeah. wade's a better defender so yeah. why have two of the same guy on the roster uh maybe Derek dietrich if you're if you're looking for a, a right-handed platoon hitter not a platoon hitter but a role player someone who's only going to hit against righties uh yeah. and i mean chris archer is back in tampa bay so you got to <laughs> slot Derek dietrich into that game no matter what um oh, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to yeah. find talkman a place in this lineup and at this point i mean if you if you can't play mike talkman why keep him on the roster i mean look i i would be very sad to lose mike talkman if only if only because i wouldn't be able to torture you with sock puppet gifts anymore yeah those but, are banned <laughs> yeah but at the same at the same time it's like you said like where is he going to get those at bats i don't know how you put him on that opening day roster and have him just sitting there taking up space and when we we know he can play a decent defense in the outfield. He was a good hitter until last year when he suddenly forgot how to hit fastballs. And all, and like I said, there is enough of an outfield market on the trade market where you will find a home for Mike Talkman and be able to get something. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like St. Louis, that's a team that that could very well win the NL central and their outfield is, I mean, Harrison Bader, like my brother's friend, Harrison Bader that doesn't get me excited for the outfield out there. They don't just don't really have an outfield. They have a great infield. They have pretty decent pitching and it's a weak division. So if you're really trying to like lock down that spot and say, okay, we are the favorites in the NL central, 
maybe add a guy like Mike Talkman. Hope that he's more like 2019 Mike Talkman. Mike Talkman for Giovanni Gallegos. Make it happen. Yeah, bring him right on back. I don't think they would ever do that. They I mean, wouldn't. Gallegos, he is the only part of that Luke Voigt trade that actually worked out. I don't know what they were thinking with Chase and Shreve because he was the headliner. It was when that trade went down, Gallegos, you know, he had he never like, had any success with us. Yeah, he'd had like a, a few cups of coffee and like there was upside that hadn't yet materialized. And then he went to he went to St. Louis, got in with the coaching staff there, and all of a sudden he's a legend. Yeah, all of a sudden he's one of the, the better relievers in the league. And, you know, Chase and Shreve, the headliner of that deal, is now on a minor league deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, I don't I don't know how you can get any lower than that. You can't even crack the Pirates roster, bro. Come on. At this rate, he's probably going to be their opening day starter, and he'll become the the, the Steel City's favorite son by mid-May. Just mm-hmm. watch. That's ugly. Uh, there's only one reason to watch the Pittsburgh Pirates this year, and that's Cabrian Hayes. Oh, yeah, Charlie's son, which I just found out from Tab the other day. That that I did not know, but no, I'm yeah. super excited for him, and that's going to be like I'll tune into Pirates games. Like I'll just watch the lineup, and when I see Brian Hayes is about to come up, I'll just throw that on the MLB TV and I'd watch it for 40 seconds, then turn it back off again. There's nothing else on that Pittsburgh Pirates team that's even worth watching. The Pirates have um, a couple other youngsters on that team who, like, I, like obviously, I don't know how well they're going to pan out as the majors, but there's there's Brian Hayes. There's this other guy. Um, oh yeah, Cole Tucker. He's fun to watch. Cole Tucker. Yeah, I don't. I don't really love yeah. Cole Tucker. Brian Reynolds. I love that it, he's dating Vanessa Hudgens because that's like, you know, go <laughs> baseball players. Yeah, but the Pirates. Last I checked, they also have this shortstop prospect who I think he's either a lefty batter or a switch hitter, but he's also like six foot six, and maybe like that's, that's pretty pounds. big for a shortstop. <laughs> yeah, here, here, I'm gonna Google this right now. Pirates tall shortstop. Here, who is yeah. this guy? We were just going down at O'Neal, Pittsburgh Pirates. O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz. I'll yeah. have to check. I'll check him yeah, out. Yeah, we're going down a rabbit hole right now. Yeah, 22 years old, 6'6", six, six, seventy-five. There's just no reason for that guy to be playing shortstop. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that DJ LeMahieu at what is – I mean, he's pushing 6'5", maybe he's 6'4". Like, he is 6'4". There's six, no four. reason – 6'4", yeah. Yeah. There's no reason for him to be a second baseman. <laughs> There's no reason whatsoever. I remember his first year at the Yankees. Um, I was at my parents' house, and the Yankees are playing, I don't know, some bad team. We'll say the Royals. And I'm watching with my stepdad, who, oddly enough, is a Pirates fan. Uh, and he sees LeMahieu with the swing. He goes, oh, yeah, this guy's really good. And I said, yeah, that's DJ LeMahieu, the 6'4 second baseman. And he just gets the bug eyes and goes, he's 6'4 and he plays second base? Yeah, like when I think of a yeah. second baseman, I'm looking at like five nine Dustin Pedroia, like yeah. that little the little scrappy guy who didn't didn't get a scholarship to college, worked throughout the the minor leagues, really came in and grinded every day, and then he finally makes it, and he's a superstar at shortstop, and everyone loves him because he plays hard because he has to because he's small, and now he doesn't have any knees anymore. No, yeah, and now he doesn't have any knees anymore. Manny Machado might be the blame for that one. <laughs> Uh, but either way, uh, backtracking, Gardner's back. It's great to have him. The locker room still has its fun voice of leadership uh, to kind of balance out the seriousness of Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge. Only good things are going to come out of Brett Gardner being back. Unless he unless he flat out forgets how to hit this year, this is going to be a great move once again. And even if he does, he's not the starting outfielder. It would have to be, you know, someone would have to get hurt long term and Brett Gardner would have to just completely deteriorate in one year. Knock on wood, we don't have the injury bug again this year, which seems like a perfect segue into the next topic. 
Yeah, well, Clark Schmidt is going to miss the first few weeks of the season with what? a with a strain in his elbow. Yeah, luckily it is not Tommy John worthy. It's not the UCL. What, so what what did Boone call it? Like a right extensor strain? Extender, something like? yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, that's medical talk. I don't know medical talk. I yeah. know that he's going to be out for a few weeks and he's going to get a late start to the season, which I mean. I, all but takes him out of the running for that fifth starter spot. I think it kind of has to go to Davy Garcia now. Here's the thing, though. How much How much was Clark Schmidt in the number five mix to begin with? I crunched the numbers yesterday. The man has thrown legit 25 and a third innings above a ball. He had 19 at Trenton, double A, in 2019. Had 6.1 in the majors last year. We saw how unprepared he is. We, he, he's 25, just turned 25. He hasn't played AAA. Was he really in the number five mix that much? I, I can't believe that he was. No, no, he wasn't. I wouldn't have picked him to be the fifth starter because, I mean, I agree. He wasn't ready for Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, and and losing out on, you know, a full season last year and a full season in AAA probably really hurt his development. Yeah. But when you're looking at the options for the fifth starter, it's, you know, Clark Schmidt, Davey Garcia, Domingo Herman, who I'd rather just launch to the moon. Uh, uh, the moon's just, too close. Yeah, the moon's too close. Uh, maybe Julius Chassin. I think they want to keep him in the minor leagues, though, for depth. Like, you don't want to put yeah. that guy in the major league roster if you don't have to. You, you can't ever rule out John, uh, Jonathan Lelizaga, Johnny Lasagna. They can't do that to him again, man. Just they, let they him really, settle into the bullpen yeah. role. He like, wants to be a reliever. System. He is on record saying, I want to be a reliever. I like being a reliever. Yeah, Leave let him, him play his stuff up to – I mean, that fastball can touch 99. Like, let him play yeah. his stuff up and just gas it out for one inning. I yeah, mean, there's a lot too. to like about him in the bullpen. There's just not as much to like about him as a starting pitcher. Because let's yeah. be honest, when you're a starting pitcher, your stuff isn't going to be as crisp because you have to stretch it out over 100 pitches, Yeah, which is just – let's give him the Luis Sessa treatment. Stop – and the Chad Green treatment. Stop jerking him around yeah. say, you are a bullpen arm. Prepare as such. Like Jonathan, Jonathan Eliza for a good long time. I mean, if we're, we're going to do a real Yankees throwback here, he kind of had the sort of the sort of Ramiro Mendoza thing going on where he could start. He could give you two innings at the start of a game. He could be your closer. He could be your setup man. He can be a mob up. He could be middle relief. He's like a legit Swiss army knife. But the difference is Ramiro Mendoza, he could adjust his arm to whatever role they needed him to be before finally settling in as sort of like a middle-late reliever. Yeah, not everyone can do that. Not everyone can do that. And especially now when pitchers are so health-conscious, like, they're, of course they shouldn't do that with Jonathan Lewiska. Make him commit to him being the seventh-inning guy before Britain because that's a, he's got a great fastball. His changeup is much improved from what I'm hearing. That's Tommy Canley's spot right there. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. Max is yeah. Max is really high. Max Greenfield yeah. is really high on Jonathan Wise this year. The legend, the stats genius, which is better than stats guru. Breaking balls calls him their stat guru. We call him our stats genius. So we're yeah. better. We gave Max a better title. Um, <laughs> he he likes Wise a lot this year out of the bullpen. He likes his four seam fastball. Yeah. Um, so, but what it comes down to is. The starting pitching is it was basically down for me to Clark Schmidt and Davey Garcia. Schmidt, I probably wouldn't have given it to anyway because I don't think he was ready. Yeah, no. And with this setback, I mean, I don't really see a situation where Davey Garcia isn't the fifth starter the first time through the rotation. Needless to say, Garcia, he's got going to have a lot more eyes on him. They want to see. I'm going to. I especially want to see 
how well he he's developed a third pitch compared to just the fastball and the, and the curve uh, just to go out, just to go out there with games. Uh, you mentioned Chassin. I don't think we can necessarily rule him out, but he's also a little older. And even as a one-year stopgap guy, you have to assume even if he does win the number five job out of the spring, at that point, you're just hoping that he performs well enough to become a trade chip down the road. Yeah, for, for Chassin, I don't – I mean, I don't think they want to put him on the roster because then if you take him off the roster, you got to DFA him. And yeah. I think they that's an arm that they want to save for the middle of the season and say, like, all right – Corey Kluber or Jamison Tyone is going to be down for three weeks. We need somebody to come give us three starts. Thank God we have Julius Chassin just sitting around in AAA. I love how, I love how you're just assuming it's either Kluber and or Tyone is going to be I down mean, th- those are weeks. the most likely candidates. We yeah. know Garrett Cole is not going down with injury. That guy is an absolute horse. And Jordan <laughs> Montgomery already had his Tommy John, so I think he's going to be not, fine. Not to mention, Jordan Montgomery has – like. Eric Cressy has done great things for Jordan Montgomery. We saw it last year, even early in the season. He was looking almost Andy Pettit-esque at some Yeah, I, I love Monty. I've always loved Monty. Yeah. Um, I see I see great things for him in 2021. I mean, his fastball last year was up to like 94, 95. Yeah. Which was a big jump from low 90s when he first came up. And that curveball is always going to be there. It's a devastating pitch. The changeup yeah. looked really good last year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, his peripherals last year, his ERA was atrocious last year, but he had sub four peripherals. So like this is a huge like bounce back candidate. We'd have I, an enormous year for the Yankees. A sub I looked ERA. at his, I looked at his game log last year just to see like if there was anything to the high ERA. He had two bad starts and little to no run support down the stretch. That's so going to inflate any pitcher's ERA. Yeah. And so, so. that's going to be, he's locked in as the fourth starter. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're looking at, you know, Garrett Cole, the horse, um, Kluber, Tyone, Hopefully they stay healthy. Hopefully at least one of them stays healthy. I would be fine with just one of them being in the rotation at all times. And that would be fine with me. And, and Garrett, Cole, back. Garrett Cole, like I said, leaving his mark on the pitching staff, he was at a presser the other day. He's talking about how everyone is deep into the analytics as much as he is. Everyone's getting along. I'm so excited to watch this pitching staff this year. Yeah, and we got the gas station now. Oh, yeah. like That's like, like the worst nickname of all time. But then I actually saw a picture of it, and I was like, okay, like it kind of makes sense. I can kind of see it now. Yeah, but like, just I, off the bat, the gas station sucks. <laughs> I, I miss, like, I've been reading a lot about this. I haven't had a chance to see any of it because, you know, I'm a dad. I have a baby. I have responsibilities besides just baseball. Old. That's <laughs> yeah, the first, no. old, first old of the day. You know what? I'm going to let the old joke slide today <laughs> just because – Today I woke up and I felt rested for the first time in literal weeks. So I will absolutely tolerate the old jokes because for the past couple of weeks I felt like I was 100 years it's old. It's a glowing recommendation for parenthood. <laughs> I have a baby, they said. It's the greatest joy, they said. No, my kid's great. Um, anyway, so what, what is this gas station exactly? Because I've been busy with dad stuff. So it's, it's a bullpen setup. And sure. they have, you know, rap soda, track man cameras. They have all this equipment set up to track literally every possible thing and like state of the art stuff that a pitcher can do or a pitcher can spin everything. So they have all the pitchers coming into the gas station and they're measuring their, their analytics and their spin rates and all of this different stuff. And it's essentially what it is, is a bullpen facility. That's really state of the art, but it has a cool name now. So we're just going to roll with it. 
All right. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it the gas station either, but um, it's it. I, I didn't like that name at first, but then I actually saw a picture of the gas station. I was like, yeah. okay, this this fits perfectly. I think Michael King said that too. That he was like, this is like a really cheesy, corny name, hey. and then he showed up and he's like, the gas station. Let's go. Michael King making the most of his offseason. He apparently has said like, I'm not going to be effective in the majors unless I get that third pitch. So the fact that between the gas station setup, Cole's words. I don't think we've seen a pitching staff this much on the same page in a very long time. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for it. I mean, we were talking all offseason about how the Yankees yeah. have a huge pitching problem, especially yep. losing Tanaka. And now we're heading into the season. I'm like, well, if everybody stays healthy, this might be one of the better rotations in the league. And not, not even 100% healthy, just like moderately healthy. Yeah, healthy enough. Like get yeah. Tyone Kluber, 20 starts. That's all I'm asking for, 20 starts. I, I am going to get 30, 35. I am begging Corey Kluber to have a good season to put himself into the comeback player of the year conversation because no, that's, that's Trey Mancini. That's Trey Mancini. No matter fair. what happens. No, you're Trey right. Mancini. You're right. That's very fair. That's another great story all on its own, but either way I am looking forward. I am relishing the moment when I will knock on wood publicly apologize to Corey Kluber on the Yankees Mets express. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's waiting on pins and needles for that. Uh depends on uh yeah, probably not, but we'll see. <laughs> he's got he's got your picture up in his locker. I'm gonna prove this motherfucker it, it, wrong it, this year. It's like that scene in Billy Madison where it's like where he calls the guy to apologize and then his name gets crossed off a list of people to mess up or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what else? Well, yeah, what else we got going on? What today? else? Uh for the bullpen, Justin Wilson, we mentioned him earlier. I, I finally figured out what that his contract side. is. Yeah, it's yeah, no, like, it's a good signing. Yeah, it's like the first year, it's what, like, I think between two and a half and five million. There's like an option that turns into a team option that goes into a player option. Here, let me find it on my end. Yeah, it's it's five five point one plus incentives total, and there's okay. there's two player options. So this could be a three year contract. Uh, the base really? for the base for twenty twenty one is two point eight, and that's a lot lower than I thought. I, I that's I mean, we predicted four million here, and that's a lot lower than that. So that's just Brian Cashman doing a fantastic job, and it's a great addition. The Yankees had to DFA Greg Allen after trading for him. That's not really going to do anything for me. I don't care about Greg Allen. I don't care yeah. about the prospect we gave up to get Greg Allen. That makes no difference to me. But Greg this Allen, is one of the better bullpens. Greg Allen was Brett Gardner insurance this whole time. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Yeah, I know. James Reeves was the prospect that went back to San Diego, like. I don't think we were ever going to see James Reeves pitch a major league game for I us. Don't even rem- I don't even know the name James. Reeves. I don't even know if he's a pitcher. I said he might never pitch for us. I don't even know if he's a pitcher. I have no yeah. idea who that guy is. So where uh, does Justin Wilson's uh, factor into the bridge to, to Chapman, would you say? Because Britain has the eighth inning locked down. Yeah, I would go working backwards. Chapman's got the ninth. Britain's got the eighth. Yeah. I'd probably go Chad Green for All the right. seventh. And then Darren O'Day for the sixth, uh, because I like I like the mathematical matchup, or maybe I'd flip them, whatever it's working out to be. I like the mathematical, yeah, you know, working through the lineup. I want them to see Darren O'Day throwing eighty-five underhand from the right side, and then in their next step out, I want to see Aroldis Chapman one hundred and one from the left side high. Like <laughs> that is going to be. How are you supposed to hit off Aroldis Chapman? Well, not difference? to not to mention he's throwing a splitter now. 
to help compensate for the lack of velocity. So he's got the fastball. So he says lack of velocity. He's throwing like 99. <laughs> well, yeah, but that, yeah, but by Chapman standards, that's pretty slow. So yeah, that's like, that's like Mike Trout saying he was bad last year. Like, I get it. It was your worst OPS in four years. It was 993. I think you're fine, Mike. God, I, I, you want to hear about a bad take? I was in my baseball group chat, and this is some, this is somebody who is, um, who works, who I don't know if he works for anymore, was at a hitting coach at a youth academy for a while. He was saying, um, Mike Trout's not that good because he's never been the best in his position. Da, da, da. Look, let me find. Oh, the, shut up! He's no, the hold, best player in baseball. No, James, I'm gonna look this up because I, I just want to want to read out loud what this guy said. Hold on. So, da, 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 da. where is he? Um, oh, yeah, this was back on Valentine's Day. The more I think about it, the less I am impressed by Mike Trout. He's been a Boo. he's not that good of a fielder. Uh, that's that's a fair criticism. He's not great in the field. Yeah. Why would it, here? I'm going to have to open it on my computer. Because I know. I think I think his outfield jump last year was like I think it was maybe the worst in the league, his outfield jump. But he does take good routes to the ball. So it's kind of like. It's kind of like that Aaron Hicks effect that you don't really yeah. see. You don't really see him be athletic out in the field, but he always just ends up with the ball. Like Aaron Hicks just always seems to be in the exact right place for a, for a fly ball. But I mean, yeah. Mike Trout, I mean, you know, if he's going to be a slightly below average defender, I think I can tolerate that. Yeah. I, I, it, I need to find what was actually said because I want to like just see your reaction to like your blood boiling at this, but this is, this is what you said in response to this. Um, I just kind of sat back and watched let everyone else roast him accordingly, but either way, he was, he was listing off these random things, really scraping the bottom of the barrel as to why Mike Trout isn't that good. And I'm like, wait, what? Come on. Yeah. That's like, like you, if you massage the stats enough, you can make anybody seem like a bad player. If you massage the stats, you can make Babe Ruth look like Tyler Wade. You just have to, you can't cherry pick stats like that. You got to look at the whole picture. You got, yeah. I mean, like now granted, I've been very guilty of twisting myself into a pretzel to say that Scotty Pippen was overrated in a system player. And there are certain parts of that argument where I will stand by it. But at the same time, like he, like we all see his numbers. We all saw what he did. He it wasn't sounds a, like you're just salty about the nineties. I mean that too. I mean, find me, find me a Knicks fan who isn't. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> even around for the nineties, so. Oh, those were those were better times. That said, things are pretty good right now, and I'm not one to complain. I'm more than happy with the Knicks. I love being a Knicks fan because I don't have to write about them. I don't have to like criticize them. I can just sit down, watch a game. Like when I watch a Yankees game, I'm analyzing every pitch yep, and every at bat. It is exhausting because it's it, such a long game. It is exhausting, and then trying to explain things to my Yankees friends, my Yankees fan friends, objectively when like they don't want to hear it. They're like, oh, Aaron Hicks sucks. Aaron Hicks sucks. I'm like, no, watch what he's doing. Aaron Hicks is actually fine. Ah, uh, but he, stri he strikes out a lot. Really? Because he actually doesn't. Oh, like, uh, you can't get by on walks alone. Uh, really? Because his WRC plus is well north of 100. Look at his weighting on base average. It's Tell me about elite. Joey Gallo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I actually referenced your Joey Gallo argument in uh, my Gary Sanchez article the other day. I, I said, like, Gary Sanchez has to take those walks, has to play that great defense, has to have that good arm. And then maybe, like, he'll, people will stop uh, banging on him so much. But Joey Gallo, he makes up for the lack of performance at the plate by doing everything else right, whereas Gary Sanchez does not. It's not even a lack of performance, though. It's just that he doesn't make a lot of contact. He waits for his pitch. If he doesn't get it, he's either going to strike out or walk. 
And if he gets his pitch, it ends up in the seats. So that's a pretty good approach. Three true outcomes. There you go. Bing, bang, boom. He's the pinnacle of that. But yeah, yeah I, I get the same thing with like, like friends from college who are like, oh, so like you're really into the Yankees. It's an understatement. <laughs> uh, tell, how's the team looking this year? And I like, I don't know how to, how to speak without going on for like an hour and a half about yeah. things that they're not going to care about. Like Clark Schmidt's development in the minor league system. Like I could talk about that for half an hour and they just don't give a shit but I don't know how to not talk about that and also explain how do the Yankees look this year? Once you have worked in our business for a long time, it's very hard not to talk. It's very hard to talk sports without going into sports writer mode. I found. Yeah. I feel like I'm giving a lecture. Like one. It's so it's yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, one of, one of my friends asked me about like launch angle. It's just something that he just happened to come across. He's not even a baseball fan. He just happened to come across. What is this launch angle thing? And I went into like a half hour lecture on JD Martinez's approach at the plate. And I was just, <laughs> I'm like breaking Mart- down his swing by a fire. <laughs> How about JD Martinez's t-shirt when he showed up to spring training? Yeah. Showing up as drunk Tom Brady. That was awesome. I uh, JD, I like, I hope he has fun this year. Cause he is, he is a fun player to watch hit. He's really good. But last year, he had absolutely zero have, interest in I've playing I've never baseball. seen a player look more defeated at the plate than, than J.D. Martinez did last year. I, I remember Paul O'Neill during a Yankees broadcast said at one point, he looks like he is straight up guessing. He's not even trying to read the pitch. Yeah, and, no, and gets- there, was a, there was a clip that I pulled the other day of an Adam, Adam Adovino pitching against J.D. Martinez. Adovino yeah. just threw three straight fastballs. J.D. Martinez watched every one of them go by. Like, are you not even trying? I, like, now, I wonder how much that had to do with Alex Cora being gone, not having the video room. But even still, when you look that unmotivated on the field, people are going to talk. Yeah, we're talking right now. <laughs> yeah, like, like, case in point. But that said, I... As much as I hate the Red Sox and J.D. Martinez when he beats up on the Yankees, I do hope that he does have fun this year. Last year sucked for everybody from writers to fans to players to their families. So knock on wood, he can bounce back at least to a certain extent. Yeah, not not too much, though, because I, I mean, I don't want the Red Sox thinking, getting any ideas in their head about taking over the division. This is our division this year. The Rays got significantly worse. And I mean, yeah. of course, they're somehow going to pull some prospects out of their ass and just be a pesky thorn in our side. But I think this year we will get them in the division, yeah, uh, which I'm fine with. But yeah, but and also on top of that, I, I, I'm really encouraged by just um, how much fun all of our guys are having early in spring training, you know, it's like, they're so excited. Cause yeah, COVID's still going on. They're not going to have many fans, but they're in spring training. The season's starting on time. They know their timeline. Nothing as of yet, knock on wood is going to disrupt that. They can't, they can't disrupt the season. Now, now that they already no. played 60 games last year, the owners there, it is, I'm pretty sure legally, but definitely PR related impossible for them to try to shut down the league again. It can't be done. They, in order for them to do that, COVID would have to reach the same levels that it did around March of last year, which it's not going to, uh, hopefully. No. Yeah. I mean, oh, speaking of, I'm getting, I'm getting my first shot tomorrow, as I told you. That's going to yes, be fun. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. Um, but the one video I saw today, which you actually retweeted, if I'm not mistaken, Glaber and Geo just goofing around in the dugout. Like, Glaber scaring Geo, running out onto the field to, get, to take his grounders. Yeah, Gio just replaced Miggy as 
Galaber's best friend, like so <laughs> fast. As soon as Gio took, took <laughs> Miggy's job, it was immediate. Like, all right, Gio's that, my best friend now. Miggy that is, is irrelevant. That is the ultimate baseball bromance, and it's kind of adorable. Just them playing uh, PlayStation together and just hanging out. I mean, you kind of feel bad for Miggy because he's probably just sitting there, like watching through the glass in the rainstorm, like, oh, I miss everybody so much. But hey, uh, maybe if you didn't uh, play such bad defense at third base and in the outfield, you could that could be a trifecta and not just a duo. So also, stats genius Max didn't love his hitting. Apparently, Miggy was getting very lucky in his rookie year that his actual stats were a lot worse or his expected stats were a lot worse than his actual stats. Really? Yeah. I mean, we know the Yankees are big in analytics and they saw that Gio was a little bit better, even on offense. And it is what it is. The defense is what it is. We know what Miguel Andujar doesn't bring on defense. Oh God. Like that, that one Red Sox game where it's the, like the slow ground ball, but he chooses to play it on the hop instead of charging it. Red Sox, like when Chapman blows the lead again, I, and the famous I, double clutch. Good Lord, don't get me started on the double clutch. I, I can't talk about Miguel Andujar's third base defense without getting <laughs> incredibly sad. It's just, well, it doesn't matter because he's not going to play third base this year. So no, matter. he is not going to play third base this year. He's not going to play third play third base any year. Gio Urshela is healthy. He's got third base on lockdown. Keep making those pretty plays, you amazing cult hero. I love absolutely. That. I got nothing. I got nothing but good things to say about Gio Urshela. Absolutely. Uh, what else you got before we get to the worst part of the podcast? Um, what else have I got? What else? What, else, what got? other fun stuff do you have before we start talking about depressing news? Uh, other fun stuff. Uh, Aaron Hicks looks fully locked in. He looks like he's probably in the best shape of his career. Same Everyone's in the Torres. best shape of their career. I would say Gary Sanchez has always been in the best shape of his career when he shows up at spring training. And then when he, I know pinstripes are supposed to give you a slimming effect. I just, think it does the opposite to Gary Sanchez. I don't understand yeah, why. I have a theory about Gary Sanchez in that regard. So like, you know how people, when they get deep into working out, they'll like get the endorphin but then all of a sudden they'll start upping their calorie intake and maybe kind of slack off and then gain some weight back. I think Gary Sanchez is one of those people. Yeah, I'm, I'm very familiar with that. I, when I went to college, I was, I ran track at college for like two months, decided that running was stupid. So I quit and then- <laughs> The calories that I had been like, I was eating like 4,000 calories a day since I was in, you know, freshman year of high school, because I was always running. I was always doing all these sports and stuff. And then when I stopped doing sports, all of a sudden those 4,000 calories started turning into like 50 pounds. So that'll happen. That'll Uh, happen real fast. I early on in spring training, Clark Schmidt's injury aside, I am encouraged. Uh, Let's talk about dark and depressing stuff right now. Dark and depressing. Okay, Domingo Herman. We mentioned him earlier. We want to launch Domingo Herman to the sun. We don't like Domingo Herman, and at some point this year, he probably is going to pitch for the Yankees, which stinks. Because I mean, you just you can't root for this guy. This is a bad person. You <laughs> but really he's gonna. I was look. I knew for a very long time Domingo Herman did something. We don't know what he did. He did something. And I also found it puzzling that we didn't know what, what it was that he did. Now we know, thanks to Lindsay Adler. And we now know, like, at, in 2019, at CeCe's charity function, he got very drunk and slapped his girlfriend. They went home to Westchester. She wound up call, locking herself in a room, calling another player's wife. That, that player's wife and her husband drive to the house. She tries to calm down the wife. He's trying to calm down Domingo. 
And between this, these and the social media meltdowns, I don't like, Zach Britton was right. Sometimes you can't choose your teammates. And even if he does address the team, I don't, I'm not convinced it's going to do any good. I don't know about you, but I don't think any good is going to come out of Domingo Herman addressing the team. No, and just from a logistical standpoint, having to do it in small groups because of COVID, like, I mean, that's going to be the worst day at Yankee spring training camp. Like you have a three yeah. o'clock slot with Domingo to apologize for being a shitty person. And it's just, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know about Domingo, man. His, his mental health is not there. He's, I mean, that thing that happened when I guess his girlfriend like broke up with him for good. And he posted that Instagram story about how you're, you're talking over. more recently. Yeah. More recently. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. yeah. About how everything was over. And I was like, last year he did the fake retirement thing. And I was like, yeah. this guy is just, there is, there is something that this guy needs to work out. And I don't really want him to be on the Yankees while he's working it out. I hope he gets the help that he needs because he clearly does need it, but I just don't want him around the team for that. Part of me wonders if the only reason they're keeping him around is because there are enough teams out there that won't give a rat's ass about the domestic violence case and point the Astros when they traded for Roberto Osuna. Yeah, that- and that's that's always worth mentioning that, you know, the Yankees – we went and got Aroldis Chapman after the domestic violence issues. And right. I don't, I don't particularly love Chapman either. I think he's a bad guy too. And you know, it's a whole other thing because he's an elite pitcher. So he's obviously going to get a chance somewhere else with Roberto yeah. Osuna. I mean, the Astros traded for him while he was suspended. Yes. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like at the end of the day, like, Oh, Osuna, you know, he took his suspension. He went through this program, you know, we think that he's going to have a chance to become a better person after this. We want to help him grow. No, it's like this guy's value has never been lower. Let's go get him because when he comes back from his domestic violence suspension, he's going to be our closer. And that's like a shitty way to run a, a baseball team. Look, just, just morally, just because baseball is when push comes to shove a business, look, baseball is a business. Let's just call it like it is. Just because something is a business does not mean that every decision has to be viewed at from a through a transactional lens. Like because the Astros, they said, "Oh, his value's never been this been this low. Let's get him." With Domingo Herman, I feel that the Yankees, yeah, they they want to try and get something for him, but at the same time, if the apology doesn't go over well, if he gets lit up in spring training like he did in the Dominican Winter League, like, oh yeah, that, he pitched so bad. Yeah, didn't he didn't he pitch to like a nine ERA, maybe a little higher? Yeah, when I I I missed his last couple starts, but when I saw it, it was at like a seven five. Yeah, he was and getting that was, tattooed. That was ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So look, the Yankees are thankfully in the position where if he shits the bed in spring training, they can cut him loose at minimal cost. They'll just like they'll DFA him. Some other team will pick him up. Or go I wouldn't bat an eye if the Yankees cut Domingo Herman. I wouldn't bat an eye. Neither would I. Like I'm thank I'm glad he won eighteen games for us, but you know what? Screw that. It wasn't even that good. Even from a pitching standpoint, I mean, he was he was pretty average in 20, what was that, 2019? 2019 when he won 18 games, yeah. Yeah, pretty average, an over four ERA. He just got a lot of run support. Like, And and you saw it down the stretch of the season, you know, once he gets past 120, 130 innings, like he turned right. into a pretty bad pitcher where he was giving up home runs left and right. And yeah, now, I now just that's, had no faith in him. Now that said, compared to tw- from 2018 to 2019, somewhere between there, the guy learned how to actually pitch as opposed to throw. There's a big difference. But at the same time, having him on the team, you're inviting a whole slew of drama into a clubhouse that already gets along pretty well. And Zach Britton... Yeah, nobody wants him there. Yeah. Nobody wants him there. 
looking back on 2019, like, cause I follow a little more than a few of the Yankees on social media. I can't think of a single Yankee who once took a picture or like was shown goofing around with Domingo Herman. Yeah. I mean, I Just don't think I got nothing for a second. I got nothing. And if Zach Britton, who is low key, also a big leader in the clubhouse, he and Cole, I think are the team union reps right now. Yes. And not just that, these guys know full well, like they've known the whole domestic violence story for so long and couldn't say it because of the privacy rules, rightfully so. They know like this guy is not a good dude. Get him off the team. I know how badly the number five spot needs attention. Give Davey Garcia a shot. If Davey Garcia has an average spring training and winds with the number five guy and has maybe two bad starts out of, and one good one out of every three starts, I can live with that on the back end of the rotation for now. But like, I'd rather deal with that than just continue to give Domingo Herman a platform, especially now that we know just how bad the incident was. Absolutely. And when you, when you ask Zach Britton a question like that in a press conference and you're looking for the PR answer is to say, you know, like, I can't really comment on that. That's between when them. When has Zach Britton ever whatever. given the PR answer? No, he, he, I mean, he's pretty good with the PR stuff, but he yeah. does say what's on his mind. Like when Buck Showalter didn't pitch him in the uh, in the wild card game, yeah. what was that like six, seven years ago? He was very open. He was like, I probably should have been in this game, especially, you know, we get a man on first in the ninth inning and we're only up one run. Like I'm the, I'm the ground ball guy. We need a double play right yeah. now. I'm the ground ball guy and I'm the best reliever in the league this year. Don't save me for a save situation. Put me in right now. Besides the point. Like he, uh, when he's going to come out and say what he said about Domingo Herman and about that whole situation, there is just, there is no way that he is, ex- that Domingo Herman is accepted in that locker room. Because if the players had said, all right, you've made a mistake, you're working to fix the mistake, we can see that you're, you're trying to change as a person, you're not going to go and, and just throw this guy immediately under the bus for being a bad person. You're going to try to give him a chance to prove. That he's improved as a person, which I mean, Zach Britton clearly thinks he hasn't. So get this guy off the team. I don't want him in the locker room. I don't want him around our guys. And it's we haven't even talked about how Herman was supposed to speak to the media at some point uh, late last week, canceled the session last minute, puts out a statement, and then all of a sudden Chapman is the one who's uh, who's answering for him. Yeah, and and Chapman, you know. I don't, I don't know about Aurelius Chapman's personal life. Maybe he did make some big changes after, after his incident. I think him and his wife are still together. I think they are. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's maybe something changed there. Maybe that incident led him to become a better person. And that's a different thing. That's the situation where you can say, I know this happened. This was a terrible thing that happened. But since it happened, we have seen this person make huge strides in becoming a better person. We have seen him improve across the board. And we think he is really, truly sorry about what happened. And he is never going to do any shit like this again. And then that leads to a whole other conversation about whether, you know, it happened once. So should this guy even get a second chance? You know, that's a moral conversation we don't have to have. But for Domingo Herman, for Zach Britton to be in the media saying, like, you don't get to choose your teammates, that's bad. You got to get this guy off the roster. Now, now here's, a, here's a question that I was pondering the other day. Does, is Aaron Boone going to lose the locker room, you think, depending on what happens with Herman, especially with how blunt Britton was? I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think that's Boone's decision. Honestly, yeah. that's that's a cashman decision. We know that right. 
even the lineups, the rotations, the bullpens, like that all comes down from the analytics department. Boone is making, you know, a minimal amount of choices from what he sees in an actual game, but he's never the guy who like, I don't think he's the guy who chooses the lineup and, you know, who are we, who are we going to in what bullpen lane? I don't think he's that guy um, just based I mean, on I'm, the way yeah. baseball is moving. Given his own bromance with Cashman, though, you have to figure he at least weighs in. No, I'm sure he has a say in it. And and I don't think, I mean, I don't think Aaron Boone is going to be shy about saying, I don't want Domingo Herman in the locker room. I don't think Brian Cashman wants him in the locker room either. I think the Yankees are in a position where right now they might not have a choice but to have him in AAA because we don't have really a lot of starting pitching depth. And Domingo Herman is a starting pitcher which I don't, I don't love. I'd rather go somewhere else. There are a lot of other pitchers that we can go get to provide depth that aren't Domingo Herman. We can go somewhere else for that. This is, yeah. I mean, this is a moral stance issue where you say this, what this guy did was completely unacceptable. And we honestly don't want any part of that because we don't think that from that incident to today, he has really changed. Yeah. I mean, were it not for, all right, let me say it this way. Now that the Lindsay, now that Lindsay Adler dropped just what exactly happened, the way I say it, fuck Domingo Herman. I like, I like get him off the team. Were it not for that report, had let, let's say, let's assume for example that Lindsay Adler did not drop that article. Had Domingo Herman come into camp and performed well, and like no one really said anything, I would have been like, all right, fine, he's on the team. But between that article, between another social media meltdown where he deletes all his posts, like, I don't need that bullshit in the locker room. The Yankees don't need that bullshit in the locker room. No, and it's, I mean, this is the perfect example that, you know, we've been talking about this for 20 minutes when the Yankees showed up to spring training seven days ago. Like, this is the kind of locker room distraction that it's going to be present if Domingo Herman's in the locker room. People are going to get asked about, you know, after Domingo's first yeah. start, Zach Burton's going to get asked again. Like, now that Domingo Herman is on the team, like, what are your thoughts? Whatever. A question is going to come up that's going to lead to this secondary response that's going to lead to 20-minute podcast conversations about how we don't want this guy fucking around. Look, the way I see it, he he's talking to to his teammates. What like later this week, Thursday, Friday, something like that. Yeah, I think that depending on how those conversations go, and from where I'm sitting, I'm going to assume that a lot of them are going to go very poorly. Oh yeah, especially it, I mean, when you get to like the sixth, seventh group of apologizing. Yeah, like, what is Domingo Herman going to have left? That's going to be like the most the most empty apology of all time. And not just that you have to figure guys coming down the groups, they're going to be talking to each other. They're going to say like, Hey, listen to what he has to say. Or like, not nah, like, like just go in, l- let him talk, but like, you're not going to hear anything you haven't heard before. At that point, I think that if enough players say, Hey, like forget this guy, Cashman has to be ready to cut him loose. Like that day, if need be. Yeah, because, I mean, he'll explore a trade for him first, maybe get something back for him. But Well, well that's the thing. I think Cashman's already been uh, engaging trade talks for Ron, just trying to figure, hey, like, what would you be willing to give up for him? Even yeah, if it, we, even we if get a lottery ticket for him. Yeah, even if it's just like a, a cash, player to be named later. I, I, the Yankees do not need a lot for Domingo Herman. International money. Don't. Get international money. Great. I will, take, I will gladly take $750,000 of international signing money. I will gladly take that for Domingo Herman. Yeah. So, I mean, to I wrap it up, we don't want Domingo Herman. 
yeah, to wrap it up, we don't want Domingo Herman around anymore. Let's get rid of nah. this guy. I don't, nah. I don't really care what his apology has in store because, I mean, that's just not a person I want on my team. I don't really want him in the league at all. Not to mention that statement he put out. It was like, all right, like it was the standard can statement. The Yankees probably got an intern to translate it and write it up. But yeah, just fuck Domingo Herman. Get him out of here. Fuck Domingo Herman. All right, you have anything else for the Yankees? Has anything happened in the last hour? I don't think so. Nothing really. It just seems that like I saw uh, Stanton taking some some uh, fly balls in left field today, but I think that was just uh, to get some reps in. And hopefully, he does not play the outfield. Yeah, uh, Boone said he's he's going to be primarily the DH, but I mean, it doesn't hurt to just have him taking reps out there, and in case you need an emergency outfielder, he can play outfield. I just I'm kind of I'm kind of done with. John Carlos staying in the outfield because I want him yeah. to be healthy for a full year. And honestly, just running the bases, like maybe go 90%, man. Maybe let's not let's not go for that hundred percent. Let's just <laughs> don't hit run the, the power gu- numbers. Don't run like a linebacker. Yeah, hit hit your power numbers and and take your doubles. Don't ever yeah. think about going for third. We don't need that. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that's pretty much uh all I got. I think we I think we covered as many Yankees as we can. All right, so we will wrap it up there then. Everybody go follow Josh on Twitter. Go follow his podcast, Yankees Mets Express with you can Lean. Find, you can find me on Twitter at Josh B-E-S-N-Y. Josh B-E-S-N-Y and Lean is, I think, Lean underscore, underscore Amin. Amin. Yep. Yeah. And, we'll, we'll, and be back, we'll be back Saturday with our new co-host, Kiyoshi. Oh, new co-host. There oh, you go. yeah. Yeah, Kiyoshi's great. We added a third head to the dragon. He knows his stuff. He's hilarious. We love him fantastic uh also on a selfish note uh give us five stars here because we would really appreciate that and also i'm doing a new daily show on youtube it's called warning track power so check that out and subscribe because i'm putting a lot of work into it so i want to get fucking paid for it there you go there we go money give me money all right see you next week i think you